You're listening to audio from One Church of High Point. If you'd like more resources or would like to donate, visit onechurchnc.net. As we was worshiping, God led me to Romans chapter 8. And it's just a reminder for those who may have forgotten that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same Spirit where Jesus rose from the grave lives in you. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave where there was judgment upon him lives in you. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. Come on church, I need you to believe that. The same authority that Jesus rose from the grave lives in you with all power with all authority it lives in you today so the same authority that you have to to trample upon scorpions and those evil spirits lives in you today you have that authority then he reminds us After telling us that that same authority, that same spirit lives in us, he says, you know what? That even though that we may suffer for a little while, the glory he will reveal to us later. For that all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God reveals to his children who he is. So church, I need you to know today that we all have been called victorious. No matter where you are, what suffering that you may be faced with today, that you have that same power and that same authority. So Heavenly Father, empty us today. Father, we give you an invitation to reside in this place. God, we stand before the throne of glory. And God, we cast down our crowns before you. And we cry, holy, holy, holy. So in these next few moments, Father, I pray that you will open up the windows of heaven and begin to pour out your blessings upon this church. And God, that we may live in the overflow. So Holy Spirit, have your way today. We worship you in this place. It's for him we live, we move, and we have our being. Father, have your way today. We love you. We honor you. In your matchless and majestic name, we say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Church, let's give God a round of applause. Man. Thank you, worship team for all that you do. Thank you, tech department. They do everything back there. Everything. You know, um, many of you may not know, I'm a 70s baby. I may not look like, I may look like I'm in the 80s, but yeah, I I miss the 80s just a little bit. 
born in a great year of 1977. If you do the math, I'm 45, amen? I know I don't look that right. You know, it's all good. <laughs> and growing up in the 70s, you know, um, for me, was just an iconic time frame. Back then was some of the best games that you can find, some of the best music that you can listen to, because it was truly music back then, right? There was no dub overs or anything like that. You, if you, you had to know how to sing. You had to be a J, right? You had to be a J Mitchell. I was about to bust a note, but I don't want to embarrass myself like that. I'm like Scott. Scott, we in the same boat, bro. I'm like the two and three. This is my safe zone right here. That's all I do, bro. Just left and right, man. That's it. And I can't, but I can't sing. So, but it's, it's all good, though. You know, we've been in a season and a series of revival for these, these past couple of months. God has given a word to our church, and he gives us a, a word every year that really shapes who we are. And back in October, God said, Ryan, next year is a year for revival for your church. Who would have known that revival would have taken, taken place all across this world? And so as we begin to transition from our series from being in revival, we're now going into a series that is called Counter Culture Reloaded. And so we, over the next several weeks, we're going to begin to talk about things that is counter culture to what we believe in the scriptures. What the world say that we should do, the gospel says that we shouldn't. And what the gospel proclaims that we should do, the world says we should not. And so I'm going to challenge you over these next several weeks to get out of your feelings. To begin to live out the gospel in such a way that we are reflecting the scriptures that is counter-cultural. So being born in the 70s and being raised in the 80s, one of the privileges that we had to do is basically we had to listen to one of the greatest genre of music of all time, and it's Motown. Come on now. My baby boomers out there, and I would even throw Elvis into Motown if y'all like Elvis, because Elvis and now, you know, Elvis is, Elvis got a little soul in him, right? Actually, he got a lot of soul in him. Man. And one of the things that we did during this time frame, I'm reminded of a band that came out of Philadelphia. And this band had one of the craziest bass lines ever known to Motown. Many of you may even know it just by hearing the song that we're about to play. I need to side over here. Come on, side. All right, Mildred, give it to me. All right, here we go. I'm coming for y'all. One more time. I'm coming back to you now. Come on, Mildred. All right, side, let's go. All right, now this is everybody. Yeah. What? Who knew your pastor can direct the choir, amen? Watch out, Ms. Ron, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Man, one of the craziest bass lines of the 70s and the 80s. We still hit that baseline in church today. Amen? Keith was back there. He was getting it, boy. One of the greatest baselines known to music. But in all reality, the song itself is talking about money. For the love of money, people will do things do things, do some things. 
Things, not things. It's things. For the love of money, people will steal. For the love of money, people will kill. For the love of money, people will use their mortgage and lose it. For the love of money, people will gamble their children's college tuition away. For the love of money, people will go bankrupt trying to gain more money. I, be, I believe that the apostles of the OJs, if I can use them as an apostle, they wrote scripture, not really, but just framing it. 1 Timothy chapter 6. The apostles of the OJs said, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. See, oftentimes we just quote the part A of that verse. We just say, for the love of money, it's the root of all evil. But what's more important than that is the part B is that some people has even wandered from the faith. Come on, church. You mean that we're chasing money so much and our pursuit of money so much that we are leaving the faith? Come on. We have to reprioritize what God has called us to chase after. For the love of money, people will steal from their mother. For the love of money, people will rob their own. Mm, Y'all know the song. For that lean, mean, mean, green, almighty dollar. For the love of money, people will lie. Lord, they put the gospel in the song. They say, Lord, they will cheat for the love of money. How you get money is connected to what you would do with it. Let me just explain what I'm talking about. If you have your first money, you're probably wearing it right now, Trinity. I'm just going to call her out. Not really. I get to use it for a sermon's illustration. She just got a new job last weekend, so she's just she's excited. But I'm going I'm to I'm even call her out right now. She was even tithing today for her money. So how you get your money is connected to what you do. So if it's, if it's new money, you were probably sitting on 20s outside, right? 20-inch rims. Let me shape it up. If you earned it, you're probably investing it. If you worked for it, you're probably enjoying it. If you prayed for it, you probably are tithing it. How you get money is determined how you will basically spend it. Many of us have not been taught how to handle money. Many of us have not been taught the kingdom principles that is attached to your finances and money. So this is another plug for our financial stewardship class. You need to be in that class. And I think there's only a cap of 30 people, I believe. There's just, we only have seats for 30 people. And the reason why it costs $10, that's just for the material. The church is not making anything off of this. This is just to cover the material that we want to help educate you, put some biblical principles into how you should steward money. Many churches has led a bad example about financial stewardship. We all know somebody who left the church because how the church stewarded their money. You know, growing up in uh, Mount Zion Baptist Church in Waco, Texas, as a PK, there's some things that I remember our church doing every Sunday. 
you know, our choir will march in, not like our choir, our choir didn't march in this Sunday. I remember going to Mount Zion Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. The choir would typically march in, and it would take them about 20 minutes. <laughs> they will rehearse their walk-in more so than the music. They made sure that they got to like, you know, the... Just, just Google it, I'm, I promise you. Our church rehearsed how to walk in more so than the music itself. But I remember growing up in church as a PK and going to church, there's some things that we did every Sunday. I can guarantee you that we had a meal after service every Sunday. Guess what it was? Fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans, some pound cake. And we was kind of bougie. We was like a bougie church, Baptist church. We used to have Kool-Aid. We had frappe. <laughs> For those who don't know what frappe is, it is like sherbet and ginger ale mixed together. Our next church um, picnic, we're going to have some frappe here. Amen? So that way you guys can experience what I experienced growing up in church. So our hospitality committee, which is in information right now, put that on your checklist that we will have some frappe for our, our, our church gathering. But there's some things that we did every Sunday growing up in church. We took offering every Sunday. And as the deacons and the stewards will go back to the back to count the money, if the plate came up short, guess what happened? About to come back and have another offering. The deacons will go back to the, the accounting office. Y'all laughing because y'all know it's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, Cammy's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they will go back to the, to the offering and say, okay, we're short. We need to have an offering one more time. And guess what they're going to do this time? Because we took offering every Sunday, they will call for a $100 line. I need all of my $100 line people. I need you to come up front, wave your, wave your $100. They'll bring it up. No, real, real talk. Lay down and plate. All right, my $50 line, y'all come on up. I need you to raise your money up. Come on, $50. Come on, bring it up. Bring it to, bring it to the offering. Lay it in a the plate. Then we'll bring in the $20. We'll hold it up, walk it up. And we stop right there. Then we say, whosoever, that was the leftovers, right? Whosoever had another offering, come on up. I remember being an assistant pastor at another church, and we went to go visit another church. This is real stuff. The pastor, see, they ain't nothing but the devil. The pastor was in, con in connection with the other pastor, and they started doing all these, these, these money lines. And one of my members turned to the, the lead pastor, the senior pastor at that time, and said, because they said, if you have your $100, come up front and come and get your blessing. He looked at the senior pastor and asked him a question. He said, does it mean that I can't get my blessing because I don't have any money? Needless to say, we did not go back to that church ever again. Because they prostituted the gospel. They used the gospel to prostitute the members of the church to give more money. You know what they normally would do? The pastors will typically go back to his office and they will split the pot and give it to two different churches. Not in this house. It's not going to happen. I've even seen where they will, you know, pastors, you know, he's preaching and things are good and good. They come up to the altar, lay $20 down. And then next thing you know, guys, you know, the pastor's preaching. The pastor gives a little signal on the side for those Baptist folks. I know what that means. Get on the keys. They kind of give it your emotions. The piano player would get on the keys or the organ. They start hyping up the organ and he start preaching and wiping his forehead and come down. They start laying more money at the altar. I'm going to let you know right now, please don't do that at this church. 
that's not the culture that we have here because your, your blessing is not connected to you laying down on the altar with your money. Your blessing coming before you when you lay yourself down before the altar. When you lay your sins down to the altar. When you lay everything that God has asked you to let go and let God. And he said, that's what he wants for me to lay down. Not your offering for the church. So today, I want to answer three questions. What is a tithe? Do we tithe off a of gross or net? And for those biblically astute people who may want to combat what I'm saying, many people in the church would say the tithe is not in the New Testament, so we're not governed by the tithe any longer. I'm going to address that for you too. God has given us two hands, one to receive and the other to give. That's a quote from Billy Graham, one of the greatest pastors of our time. Billy Graham said, God has given us two hands. One is to receive and the other one is to give. And so to really shape our scripture for today and where God has taken us, we're going to go to Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. And we have to begin to really understand that money and giving, or just giving, has always been a part of God's plan. We see that from the very begin, beginning of time, even in the book of Genesis. If you go to the book of Genesis, even before Abraham, right? Let's go way before Abraham. Let's start with Cain and Cain and Abel did what? They gave an offering unto God. One was a good offering, the other one wasn't as so good. So we see that God was giving, that God presented giving early in throughout scriptures. And so if you are in Malachi chapter 3, it's the last book of the Old Testament and Right before the New Testament is Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. If you dare say amen. amen. All right. I, the Lord, do not change. Verse 6. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are you robbing you? How are we robbing you? He says, in tithes and offerings. He says, you are under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Then he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that there will be no room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then your ancestors will call you blessed, for yours will be delighted, delightful, a delightful land, says the Lord. So my message today is simply put tithes and offering. And before you check out on me, oh, here they go. I'm not coming back here again. We don't teach on tithes offering a lot at this church. We don't. We typically may hit on it twice a year. But you begin to look at the teachings of Jesus as we get through here in a shortly. Even just throughout the Bible, money or finances is the most taught or talked about subject in the Bible. Money or finances. Jesus talked 11 out of 39 parables about finances. 
11 out of 39 parables that Jesus taught was taught about finances. So if, for those who are offended, I'm sorry. So we're going to, we, we talked about revival, right, for the past several weeks. We can talk about salvation. We can talk about health and strength. And we can talk about, you know, Jesus walking on water and changing water into wine. But yet we don't talk about finances. If we were to model the, the, the Acts 2 church and how Jesus was walking through the, the scriptures, we should be talking about finances one third of the year. And you should not be offended. Because we are modeling Jesus Christ and how he taught. But many people get offended when we teach about finances. One-third of the year, that's four months, three months out of the year, we should be teaching about finances. And then the other nine months, you guys, we can teach about everything else. Actually, it's, yeah. But I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. oh, neighbor, neighbor. can you spare a dime? <laughs> Just in case your neighbor was not friendly, I want you to look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. oh, neighbor. Can you spare a dime? Amen. You're laughing because a dime is very, it's, it's very just moderate, right? It's, it's, it's not asking much of your neighbor, right? Would you agree? Would y'all agree? Okay. It's just a dime. Let's raise your hand. Who would agree with me? Nudge your neighbor to raise your hand. I'm glad that you agree. That's salesmanship coming out here in a second. What you do is you build up the yeses in the front end so they can't tell you no in the back end. So you guys just told me 10 cents out of a dollar is okay. Let's run the offering plate one more time. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. When you stand before God, he's not going to ask you how much money you make. When you stand before God, he's not going to ask you how many hours you work. When you stand before God, he's not going to ask you were you hourly or salary. When you stand before God, he's going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? How have you stewarded the blessing that I gave you? So God, you mean to tell me, how do I honor you with my money? Yes. So why does, why, why does God of all creation command us to give? Why, why does God who give us something says he wants something back? How is giving a, a discipling posture of Christianity? Why do we have to bring in a tithe and an offering? That's what we read in Malachi, right? They said, brings the tithe and the offering to where? The storehouse. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures because I want you guys to understand what biblical stewardship looks like. Matthew chapter 19 verse 24 says this. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. So to understand the, the context of that scripture, you have to know what an eye of a needle is in that time frame. The eye of a needle is basically, it was a passageway from one side to the other. And so it basically, it's a doorway. And so oftentimes in that time frame, what they used to do is basically, if you had a camel, they used to carry all of their supplies on that camel. And so what the owner of that camel would have to do is this. They will have to unload the supplies off of the camel. The camel will have to get down to all four legs and scoot its way through the eye of the needle and then put the other, um, the properties through the eye of the needle then load the camel again. So what God is saying that he needs you to let go of some things 
Let go of some of your mentalities of, of thinking so that way he can get you where he desires you to be. How do I honor God with my money? Right? That's what many people are asking a question. That's the wrong question to ask. If you're asking, how do I honor God with my money, that's in, you're in error. The question should be, how do I honor God with his money? If you don't believe it's God's money, let me, let me just take you back to the old Levitical law. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. And those who are taking notes, I'm going to give you time to write this down. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 says this. A tithe of everything from the land. A tithe from some things? No. A tithe from air, everything. Everything. A tithe from everything from the land. Whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. Then it says this. It is holy. It is holy unto God. That means everything that you have is holy and is unto God. So I looked up holy in its original context. And it says Kadesh. And Kadesh means that it's sacred. That it's, it's consecrated. That it's dedicated hollow. Holy by itself means to set apart. Your, everything that you own, you don't. It's God's. Y'all remember the parable when Jesus told the rich young ruler, he said, go sell everything and come and follow me. He tapped out and said, no, God, I'm good. Like, you know, I like living the lifestyle that I live. Like, you know what? He said, sell everything, come. Come and follow me. I will show you things that way you can only imagine. You know what I think God would have done if he'd done it? God would have multiplied his, his giving a hundredfold. Are you honoring God with all that you have? It's not yours. A tithe is a tenth of whatever you receive. Pastor Jason, Chris, can you guys um, do me a favor? Can you bring this table up front for me real quick? It's off to my left. A tithe is a tenth of whatever we receive. So I'm going to give you a, a great illustration of what that looks like. Jorge, I got your flags up here, bro. That's an inside joke. I'm sorry. Y'all was late in that one, Crystal. <laughs> yeah, Jose was too. Jorge was too. So a tithe is a tenth of whatever... You have, so that's one, two, thank you. So tithe is a tenth of whatever we have, right? And you done told your neighbor, let a brother borrow a dime. Can, can I get a dime? So what we have to begin to realize that this is all Leviticus 27, 30 says that this is all Lord, the gods anyways. This is Lord's, our Lord, all 100% of it. And so what we have to do, and I'm sure what we're going to learn in our financial stewardship class on March the 18th is that oftentimes that, you know, we, we budget all of this. We budget all of this. 
But in all actuality, you should only budget this right here. You give God a his off the top. You don't, you don't wait after you pay your mortgage, pay Duke, you buy the diapers, you pay your light bill, your gas bill, groceries, date night, marriage retreat, gas for your car. I know I'm leaving out something. Man. Hmm. Mm, come on now. You know, we, we, things are tight. My starter went out on my truck. Mm. But God is saying, I'll give you all of this if you just give me this. Just 10%. The problem with America today, this Western culture, that we budget and live our lifestyles out of all of this versus all of this. And when things get short, things get tight, you know what happens? With God, that wine club that I'm in every month, where they ship my shipment every month. Let me, let me just sh shave a little bit off of that. Hey, come because, you know, Jesus took communion too, right? He, he took a little wine. A little wine for your stomach is, is healthy. That's what Scripture Read your Bible. That's what it says. Okay, but God, things are super tight this month because not only is my wine subscription, I got Netflix and Hulu. Disney Prime. Oh, my bad. Amazon Prime. Okay. Now, my tie looks like this. But I'm still spending all of this. God, you know, uh, I got to get those new Yeezys that I want. That's $300. The Num J's that I want, $200. For y'all sneaker heads, you know, y'all know what y'all need. Okay, my, my tithe is cutting down to this. God is saying that you can have all of this if you just give me all of this. But we live a lifestyle in this culture in such a way that we're taught to live like the Joneses, but not live like the kingdom. Church, we have to get back to a place where we're tithing like this. Even our offering and savings account should be like this. If you would set aside 30%, guys, I, I'm, you know, believe, I'm not there just quite yet. I'm, I'm here definitely, but I'm not like here all the way just yet. I'm just keeping it real, right? I'm more like this. But my desire is to even be more like this. Where I can give God his everything because it's his anyways. And so one thing I want you guys to begin to understand is you young adults and you guys begin to live your lives, don't, don't max out your budget. Don't buy, don't, don't buy because you're qualified for a $500,000 house. Don't have to buy a $500,000 house. Start off with that $200,000 house or the $150,000 house, and then that way you can do some things off to the side. Don't, don't get into a place where, man, my first car that I was, man, my car that I was proud of, Pastor leveled up. My first car that I bought myself ever was a Dodge Neon, a Dodge Neon. Nothing wrong with that. That was me. That was my budget. Guess what I went after that? 
a Ford Expedition. Man, I was just rolling tight. Oh, man, I was flossing it. Boy, I'm telling you, it was off the chain. This is, remember, I'm, I'm a 70s baby, so Ford Expeditions, when they first came out, boy, I was big pimping. Had the Eddie Bauer edition with the leather seats and everything. But guess what happened with that Ford Expedition? My car payment was $486 a month. My insurance was $190 a month. Guess what happened to that Ford Expedition? I left it in the parking lot of Walmart off of Apple Battleground because I couldn't afford it any longer. I voluntarily let go of that car. You can come and get it. Y'all can laugh. It's okay. It's okay. I had to let it go because I outlived, outbudgeted what I was doing. I just didn't know. Church, we have to get to a place where God has given us 90. Just give him his 10. Just give him his 10%. That's just the tithe. Biblically speaking, there's an offering on top of that as well. There's, there's, pl- there's several offerings in the, New, in the New Testament Jesus talked about, even the Old Testament. Grain offerings, sin offerings, burnt offerings. It's getting quiet. It's getting quiet. It's getting quiet. It's getting quiet. So the question is, do we tithe off our gross or our net? Let me just... Gross, for everybody who may not know, those new employees, gross is what you get before your taxes. Your net is after Uncle Sam grabbed all of his stuff out afterwards. And you know why Uncle Sam takes his taxes out? Because he don't trust you to bet you're going to pay him anyways. The government says, I'm going to get mine before you get yours. What if God did that to you? What if God says, I'm going to get mine before you even get yours? If the government don't trust you paying taxes, the God who created you trusts you enough to honor him and say, God, I'm going to give you what's yours. What about those bonuses and birthday monies and... That mega millions. <laughs> Those scratch-offs. Every now and then, your pastor go get a scratch-off just because, I'm just saying. I feel kind of lucky. I have not won ever on a scratch-off. But I'm going to say this. If you received it, you need to give it. If it's birthday money... And for those super Holy Ghost-filled saints, that money that you find in the laundry room (laughs) that you forgot was in somebody's pocket, there's a dollar in a dryer. Ash and Akina, don't touch that dollar. (laughs) Y'all can tie about that too. But I want you to realize this. I'm tired of the enemy using kingdom money. We don't endorse gambling or anything like that. But I'm tired of the world using it long enough. We should have it for the kingdom. And so if you are blessed and you win the mega million, just tie, just, hey, we just want 10%. Mega million, I take 5%. I'm sure God would be, look, God is saying do something. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. For those same super saint Christians that want to tithe out their laundry money, they're probably the same ones that say, well, pastor, tithing is not in the New Testament. Or Jesus didn't teach on tithing. You're absolutely right. Tithing is actually in the New Testament two times, the word tithe itself. It's in the New Testament two times, and write this down. It's in Luke chapter 11, verse 42, and it's also in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. But what Jesus was, was, was speaking to in this context, he was speaking to the Pharisees. He was calling them hypocrites because they would give their money, but they would not serve the church. 
And so they had a posture that they thought they can buy their way into something. Jesus was convicting and condemning them, said, you hypocrites, you tithe, but your service, your heart is not in where the church should be. And so Jesus talks about finances all throughout Scripture. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to highlight verses 1 through 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. It says this. This is Apostle Paul writing to the church of Corinth, his second letter. He says, there is no need for me to write to you about the services to the Lord, to the Lord's people. For I know your eagerness to help. And I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to receive and give, ready to give. And your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I'm sending the brothers in order that they are boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you will be. For if any in Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we not to say anything about you would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it was necessary to urge you brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift, giving, give generous gift that you have promised. Then it will be ready for you as a generous gift, so not as grudgingly given. Let me just kind of paraphrase this scripture real quick. What Paul is saying is this, that he's bragging so much about you and how you gave that we want to continue that you, that you should continue to support the ministry of what's taking place. And that, in that context, is the church plant that Paul was writing about. Tithing isn't giving, it's returning. Tithing is not giving, it's returning. What do you mean? Tithing is not giving to God, it's returning to what is already his. Leviticus 27.30 says that all of it, everything from the, the dirt, from the, from the seas, and everything from the trees is all the Lord's. Tithing isn't giving. It's returning to God was already his. Paul did not teach about tithing. Paul wrote most of the New Testament books. Well, he wrote the most books out of the New Testament. And Paul didn't even teach about tithing. He talked about giving to the church so that church be sustainable. What about the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? Some would say that the Old Testament is the Mosaic law, which we're not under the law anymore. Amen. We're not. Thank God for that. But the New Testament says that we're, by, we're saved by grace through faith. So on one hand, we have the Old Testament, then we also have the New Testament. So we have both, and not in contention, but in in direction of of both together is saying that our belief in Jesus Christ alone allows us to have what God has given us, or what he desires, is that we to give back to the church in a certain way. And that's where our lesson for today, I'm just not getting started, Malachi chapter 3. It's going to be quick. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says this. I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heavens and armies. How can I return if I've never gone away? Verse 6 through 8. I'm going to pull up New King James Version real quick. So I just like the Old Testament of that. It says this. Verse 6 through 8 highlights a problem. And what is that problem? The problem is that they have rebelled against God. Malachi writes and says that there's a problem. 
And the problem is that they rebelled against God and were calling them robbers and there's repercussions about that. He's saying that you rebelled against God in such a way that you failed to give your tithes and your offerings. And he calls them robbers. What's one of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not. He did not. He, Malachi did not write that. He does not call them thieves. He calls them robbers. Two different positions. Walk with me here. When you steal, you know, like you're going to a place to take something, right? But a robber does it in malicious position. Like you're going to somebody to stick them up. Give me what you have. We're robbing God. We're going to God and saying, give me back what I've earned. Give me back what I worked 40 hours a week for. Give me back what is mine. We are robbing God. Verse 9 tells us that we will be cursed if Let's read verse 9 real quick, and I'm going to New King James Version. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Scripture says, in tithes and offerings, it says that you are cursed with a curse. So the problem is rebellion, that we become robbers, and there's a repercussion for us being rebelling against God, and that's what? That we are cursed. Let that sink in real quick. It says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. He said, you know what? Not only you, the entire nation has robbed me. They have followed suit like everyone else, which is counterculture. If you're wondering why you're struggling, you have financial problems, is it possible that you haven't tithed or you don't have a lifestyle giving? Come on. Like, I want you to add up everything that you, you've been faced with. and you're, I'm just talking to those who don't tithe on a regular, like consistently on a regular basis. I want you to add up everything that you spend out of pocket that maybe be a car payment or your bills that may be due or your cell phone bill. Add it all up and see if it's your tithe. Like, I get it. Like, Felicia and I, we, we know what the struggle is. We, we know the struggle is real. We know what it looks to look like to live paycheck to paycheck. Like, I mean, we're just normal people. But we put best practices in place so that way we can honor God with his money. And we, we, get, we get struggles too. Like, we, stuff breaks. Things happen. But I'm still giving God his money. Verse 6 says that it highlights as their problem. But then there's a prescription about this problem. There's a prescription how to address the problem that, we, that we're talking about, right? The problem that we're cursed with the curse. How do you begin to reverse that curse in such a way that you can begin to live out the decrees, what God has for your life? We find that in verse 10. And it says this, bring the tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And in my, in my scripture, there's a capital M. And you know what that means? That's God. Anytime that there's a capital letter to God or anything like that, there's, that means that's, that's God. That's Elohim. That's, that's God with us. It says my house. So the prescription to get out of the, the, pro, the problems that we have in verse 6, 7, and 8, we find in verse number 10. It says, bring my tithe, bring my 10%. Just, just bring me my 10%. Then he tells us where to go. There's a prescription about the priority of what needs to take place, which is the tithe. Then there's a place which he talks about, which is his storehouse. In translation, that means his church. 
And so what God is saying, where you should be tithing, if you are a member, we don't call a member here, but just so that we understand language, we call them that you belong, like your family. That's what we call our membership. We don't call them members because membership expires. But if you belong to one church, your tithe should be fully coming to this house. You may not like that. Well, pastor, you know what? I sow seeds into other ministries. That's great. But he says, bring my tithe into my house. You're fed. You're ministered to. We're doing life and we're doing ministry together as, as, a, as a church to affect our community. I encourage you to continue to give. I, Felicia and I, we give to multiple nonprofit agencies over and above our tithe. So the, pre- the prescription is this. The priority is the tie. The place is the storehouse. Then he says, prove it. He says, test me. He says, just test me. If, if you don't believe in my math, then he said, just test me. He's asking you, will you just try the kingdom math versus this worldly math? I get it. God's math just doesn't add up. Who can feed thousands of people with a couple pieces of fish and bread? That's God's math. Who can change water into wine out of empty vessels when he pours water into it? That's God's math. Guys, I've been tithing, not bragging. Tithing for me is natural. Because I've been in such a rhythm of doing it over and over over the years. Like, I, I don't even second guess. Like, I hate even when I get direct deposit from the church. Thank you. Like, I don't even like going and get my beard shaped up before I'm, my beard treatment is, is 1030 every morning. On Fridays, I go get my beard cleaned up. And before I even pay my beard treatment, when I get paid, I'm like, God, I got to give you yours first. Before I go to Bojangles, I got to give God his first. Like, I just, for me, that's a personal conviction. I don't want anything going before God. I want you to give God his first, not sloppy seconds, thirds, or fourths. And then there's a promise. There's a promise that is connected to verse 10 and verse 11. So there's a problem with your rebellion, the robbers, and repercussions. There's a prescription. But then, verse 10 there's a promise. What is that promise? It's this. He says, try me. And if you do, he says this. Try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I would not open for you the windows of heaven, that there would not be room enough to receive it. He says that he will pour out a blessing on you from a window or windows. That word is plural. He's not talking about one window. And he's not talking about a little crack to let the air in. Like he said, he will open up the windows. In our house, we have about 30 windows. Imagine if God were to put in a blessing through your homes with the number of windows you have in your house. Then he says there would be so much of a blessing that the capacity for you to receive it is beyond you. If you want the capacity to receive all that God has for you, try him on this. What does that look like? If you need to let go of a car, let go of a car. If you need to downsize downsize your house, downsize your house. If you need to go and shop and thrift shop, come on, I'll go with, call me. I would love to go thrift shopping. Like, make some adjustments in your lifestyle. If you need to shop on Wish, Y'all too bougie for me. The point is this. If you need to come down so you can elevate God higher, then do that. 
Jason, Chris, if you guys can grab the table, I'm going to ask the choir members to make their way back up front. Watch this. It's beyond our ability to outgive God's possibilities. Let me say that again. It's beyond our ability to outgive God, God's possibilities. And so today, I don't know where you're at with this, this struggle or where you're at, just if you're giving in a way that you give continually. Just to let you know how accountable we are to you guys as our church, because you guys are entrusting the church with the finances. Everyone who's in leadership has to tithe. There's not a leader or a staff person that works for our church that's in leadership that does not tithe regularly. I'm gonna, let me just, I don't look at that. I ask our count team two questions. Do they tithe? Yes or no. And do they tithe on a regular basis? Yes or no. That is a prerequisite to being in leadership at this church. And you guys should hold us accountable for that. Because you don't want anybody getting paid by the church who's not tithing. Who's not giving to the church. And so if you are desiring to be in leadership, because we have leadership opportunities within church and you're not tithing on a regular basis, pull it together. And it's not about being in leadership. It's about honoring what God has called you to do. And so Jesus, God is saying, trust me. And imagine this. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. I find it ironic that God addresses money when he's absent for 400 years. Think about that. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament before, Jesus, before God silences his voice until Jesus comes on earth for 400 years. He addresses money and the family. Two things that we have to get back in order. I believe that is so important that God speaks more about financial stewardship throughout the entire Bible and before he's absent with his people to speaking to the prophets for over 400 years. He talks to us about financial stewardship. Think about that. If I were to leave my kids before I leave this earth, what would be my last statement to them? We know what Jesus said. And that's the whole mantra of why we're one church. John 17, 21, he calls us to be unified. That we are one faith. That they may believe who sent me. And so would you believe and trust God today? Can you just believe that he knows where you are? Can you just believe that God knows exactly where you are today? For those who are struggling, have struggled year after year, month after month, week after week about their finances, I mean, we're going to pray for you today. We're going to pray for everybody. Because I want everybody to have the abundance of what God has for us. Would you just believe when God says, just try me? He says... He knows your shortcomings. He understands your fears. He knows your shame. God is saying, just believe and try me. But God, he, he knows exactly where you are. He knows your secrets. He knows your lies. He said, just try me. God is saying, take my grace. Take my grace. The grace that I've given you through my son Jesus Christ because we are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Least any man should boast. Just believe. Just believe to get into his presence. Try him. 
Just believe that God is working for you. Try him. Just believe that God wants to breathe his breath upon your life. Just try him. Just believe that when you're weak, that his strength is made made perfect in your weakness. Just try him. Just believe that great is he that's in me, that's of the world. Just try him. Just believe that God, who created the heavens and earth, has a purpose and a calling on your life. Just try him. Just believe that you are the heirs of the Most High God. And try him today. Just believe that you have victory. Can you stand today? We're going to stand and sing that I speak victory. Because we want you to know that you have victory in the name of Jesus. And we're going to speak victory over your life today. We're going to call victory in the situations and the circumstances that you may find yourself in. We're going to speak victory to every trial and situation. We're going to speak victory to what God has called us to do. We're going to speak victory that we're going to begin to take over High Point. We're going to speak victory that we're going to begin to take over Thomasville. We're going to speak victory that God has called us to to, to stuff out the, the, the enemy's attempts on your life. speak victory. You may not know this song, but I want you to sing it like you mean it. I want you to own it. I want you to embody victory. Because the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. Amen. you for listening to audio from one church if you made a decision of any kind today or would like to learn more about what your next step is visit onechurchnc.net if you are local to our campus claim your visit online at onechurchnc.net visit